Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Yojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This is a spoiler podcast, so bear that in mind as we move forward discussing Frost and Fire, hopefully as it appeared in Usagi Yojimbo Volume 1, Issue 19, dated December 1989. And I say hopefully because I believe the main text, the meat of most of these stories is as they originally appeared, my source being the two-volume hardcover Usagi Ojimbo Special Edition, as was put out by Fantagraphics. So that is my source material. Um, I believe it's remained fairly true, but it seems not always, particularly in the early part. I think so far it's been uh, pretty, pretty the same between the two. All right, the story opens. We see uh, two panels. One panel is two-thirds of the page, and the second panel is a third of the page. Usagi is meeting with Lady Kuriko. Uh, she is dressed as a, a lady would be, sitting playing with her son here. And, well, she's entertaining her son, but she is also entertaining Usagi as he has come on business before Usagi is a saucer with a small cup of tea in it. She is explaining what she needs from Usagi, and Usagi is explaining why he would be up for the task. It seems that her husband was waylaid recently and killed near a small village, and she wants Usagi to go to the village and inquire about his swords that never made it back to her as being his family after his death. Uh, Belongings of the deceased never made their way back to her. And she wants the swords. Usagi is a bit taken back in that she does not want to find the body. She doesn't even care about the body. She says so. She wants the swords because the Daisho will be passed on to her son along with all the rights and privileges thereof. So she is looking out for her son in a very matter-of-fact, cold manner, perhaps, but looking after her son nonetheless. She uh, tells Usagi that if he's able to retrieve them and bring them back, she will reward him for that. He asks how her husband died, uh, both out of curiosity, but both, of course, it will help him in finding anything left by the man if he could find out more about the man. She seems very put-offish and says that he doesn't need to know that, and then he backs off and and apologizes. Next several panels of our Usagi on his trip. It appears to be in the spring-summertime. We see Leaf on. Nice, quiet trip for once for Usagi. Comes to the village mentioned, nameless village, but it is to the east of where Lady Kuriko and Usagi were having their meeting. Uh, let me step back. The uh, dramatic characters, uh, Lady Koriko and Maimoto Usagi, our protagonists, both of which we've met here so far. Yet to be met are Nigao, which is Lady Koriko's husband, and we won't meet him because he's deceased. But we will meet Atsuko and Atsuko's brother, uh, who unfortunately went nameless. It would have been cool to have a proper name to refer to, but Atsuko's brother and Atsuko, and they will both play major parts in the story. 
So Usagi enters the village, comes upon an inn. Well, what a better place to find information than an inn slash bar. Everybody hanging out, drinking, having a good old time. So Usagi walks in, uh, captures the attention of a table of, he assumes, town folk, and says he is uh, there looking for information regarding the Geshu Samurai Nagao, who recently died. He says his business that he's been sent there to retrieve the family swords and that there is a reward for the retrieval of the swords. Well, the four individuals that he's talking to, three of them look rather brusquely, almost evilly at him, but one, the fourth person pictured in the panel, seems surprised. Given the reaction of the townspeople, Usagi quickly removes himself, apologizes, and goes on his way to try to find other means of information. Well, that fourth individual that was surprised runs out because he knows something. He tells Usagi that he can help if he will follow him because this individual, who we find out is Atsuko's brother, her sister, excuse me, his sister, Atsuko, has the swords. And that's what he tells him, so he's leading Usagi to Atsuko. Well, after explaining himself, which we don't see that occurs off-panel, but what we do see is Asuko adamantly refusing to relinquish the swords. She will not be parted with them. She says that this is the only thing she has left to remember Nagao by, and she goes into her remembrance of the man, uh, indicating in her brief soliloquy that he was disillusioned by the rigid structures formalities and restrictions of the samurai class he wanted to live he wanted he could not live excuse me as he wanted he left his wife because she's a cold distant woman interested only in honor and propriety a true samurai woman when he passed through the town he fell in love though it is unthinkable for a samurai to love a peasant Ironic, isn't it, she says. The swords, the symbols of the class restrictions that divide us, is now my only remembrance of him. The Lady Koriko wants the swords only because they are a family artifact. She has his son. Why can I not keep these swords? So she uh, continues on explaining why she is not going to relinquish them. Um, Her brother tries to convince her. She cuts him off. Finally, Usagi, after having um, shown the proper amount of respect, says that the swords represent the essence of the samurai. It's important for a peasant. It's improper for a peasant to possess them. She indicates she is adamant in her decision, and uh, darkness surrounds Usagi. The background gets all swirly, and he grabs one of his sword and thumbs it out of the scabbard, scabbard roughly, and says, "You know, I can just take them from you." And she bows her head and shrinks and says, yes. And then several panels, a a panel of Usagi looking dark and menacingly at her, and a panel of her crying and and bowed, cowing to his his power. And Usagi finally just realizes that he can't do that, and he just sheaths the sword, walks out of the house that, uh, that her, Atsuko's brother, took him to, on his way out, he says, I will be staying in the town for the night. You can reach me at the inn if you change your mind. Atsuko's brother is trying to keep the peace with Usagi. Well, yes, of course, we'll we'll discuss this and we'll get in touch with you later on tonight. Uh, Atsuko will not budge. 
Usagi, as he is walking uh, apparently back into the village, uh, this small hut being set a little bit outside the village, is um, thinking two women so completely different. Not indicating whether he feels one is right and one is wrong or anything of that nature. Just And obviously, as we have seen, two very different women. So after Usagi leaves, Atsuko's brother just lays into her, screaming and yelling. She screams and yells back. She puts him down, saying that their money problems would not be an issue if he was willing to work more rather than spending his money on his friends at the bar. That just enrages Atsuko's brother. He attacks her, shoves her away, grasping the swords. She rises up and charges him. They're fighting back and forth. During the struggle, one of the swords becomes displaced from its scabbard. Atsuko inadvertently paying the price by being stabbed terminally, as it seems. At first, her brother is is upset. He seems genuinely distraught, crying. But then he strikes on an idea, leaves her body there, gathers up the swords, and walks back to the village. Once in the village, Otsuko's brother asks the innkeeper where Usagi is. He goes up, takes the swords to Usagi, and explains that his sister, uh, he was able to reason with her. She gave him the swords. Here are the swords, samurai. Usagi pays him for them, and Asuko's brother leaves, saying that he'll put the money to good use in a rather nefarious way. So, Usagi is checking to make sure the swords are okay. Uh, he, it appears, is now going back, even though it's the middle of the night, going back to Lady Koroko, his mission completed. As he's leaving the in he comes from the sleeping quarters upstairs downstairs through the common area where the men are carousing as it were taking particular note that Atsuko's brother seems to be carousing quite a bit he admonishes the man uh, in his mind as he's walking out then he decides that he's going to go talk to Atsuko probably about her brother as that was the most recent thing that he has seen, but also perhaps to assuage her ill feelings about relinquishing the swords. Well, her brother is spouting how much money he has and what all he's going to do with it and all of these things to his uh, buddies here at the bar, and he leaves. And after he leaves, his buddies get jealous, and they decide, well... We're going to take that money. So they get up to go find Atsuko. They're going to mug him, basically, take the money. So Usagi uh, continues on to Atsuko's hut. As he walks in, he finds that she has been killed. And uh, no sooner does he discover that, that he hears somebody coming. So he hides off in the shadows. And here comes her brother. Well, he comes in, and he is talking to her trying to assuage his guilt for what happened, explaining how he feels, why she got what she deserved, why things turned out the way they did, basically admitting that he killed her. And at that point, after having heard his story, Usagi steps out of the shadows, surprises him, and tells him that he is going to take him to the magistrate. Well, in an attempt to maintain his freedom... 
Uh, Etsuko's brother tries to give Usagi the money back, or at least what money he has back, as we have seen him spending some at the bar, and jets out of the house running away. Usagi, I believe, immediately takes after him, but perhaps not at the rate with which he was trying to escape. So he gets a pretty good jump on Usagi, runs into the forest, falls, and when he collects himself and picks himself up, his buddies from the bar are there. Well, they proceed to put a beating on him, knocking him unconscious, uh, just as they pretty much determine that, that he's he's you know pretty much gone and that he doesn't have the money on him, Usagi shows up. They immediately attack Usagi. He quickly dispatches them. And I note, for the first time, I believe, in the series, he dispatches them without unsheathing his sword. He merely uses his free hand and the scabbard to defeat the men. They ultimately give up. He, he doesn't have to kill anybody. They give up and stop. So, uh, the assumption, well, not the assumption, he tells them that they will follow him to the magistrate, so all four men are turned over. The next day, we see that Usagi is uh, speaking, eulogizing over a couple graves. He has buried Atsuko next to the grave that had been prepared for Nagao. He uh, seemingly apologizes for having to keep the swords to take back to the Lady Koriko, but he does tell Atsuko that he did her a favor by burying her next to the man that she loved so that they can rest in peace together for eternity. And in the final panel, a third of the page panel horizontally, you see a scene from near ground level, the two graves to the left, and then leading off to the right and to the center of the picture is the path that Usagi has taken as he is taking the sword back to Lady Koriko. Nothing really uh, introduced by way of, uh, of any terms or anything. I didn't pick up anything that really struck me as something that I needed to dig into. Uh, if there was something more to the story that I've missed, as has happened in the past, uh, someone please let me know, and it will help me in further stories. But I will also make the corrections on the, on the show here. No feedback for this episode, so we'll uh, head on out of the show here. If you do want to get in touch, you can do so at usagipodcast at gmail.com. The website is thereaderfeed.com. You can leave comments. I post when the episodes are live on the website on the Usagi Yojimbo Dojo Facebook page. Thank you, Steve, for allowing me to do that. I appreciate it, sir. And the Ronin Rabbit is on Google+. Those are all the ways to get in touch, folks. Thanks a lot for hanging in there during this uh, brief hiatus, forced hiatus even. Uh, no need to get into it. We're back in the saddle, and hopefully we'll be able to stay there for a while. Thanks a lot. Talk to you guys again next time. Next time being, while I have it on my mind here, the next story is a kite story. As it appeared, I am assuming, I've neglected to check into this, as it appeared in Usagi Ujimbo Volume 1, Issue 20, dated... January 1990, I'm going to say.
that is what we will talk about next time. Thanks a lot, guys. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production, and as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license. 